Amen. You may be seated. Bless you. Amen. Well, it's a good Sunday to be here. Uh, praise God for moms, right? Happy Mother's Day. And uh, I'm so glad that you're all here. And then, uh, of course, as Andy said, remember, there's a gift for every mom on the table on your way out. So make sure you grab that. Uh, we are in our series, Enduring Faith. So we've been at the last couple of weeks. And as I was getting ready this morning, uh, just preparing, I always do that. And just up super early, I'm trying to pray for uh, everybody who's coming here on Sunday. All of you guys, everybody sitting in these chairs, I think I prayed for everybody as I look around um, it seems to be the case to me. So as I'm praying and getting ready, um, sometimes the girls get up a little bit early. And so Alana was up and uh, she came in the office and um, so I just want to be up with you, Dad. And so I said, okay, that's fine. Uh, so I went over the message with her and she gave me you know, a few comments and things. So we refined it a little bit. We were talking about refinement. Um, so we did that and then we were putting cards together and uh, setting cards out uh, for Mom for Mother's Day uh, before she was up. And we set the cards out and... She saw what I had put on uh, my wife's card, on Christy's card. I had put baby on there, and uh, that's one of my nicknames. And so I put that on there, and Alana looks at it, she goes, what, baby, what is that? Why did you write baby on there? And so I said, well, that's one of my names for mom. And uh, she said, yeah, okay, that's cool. You should write baby mama on there, because that would make more sense. So, so she said that, and I... I knew she didn't understand what she was saying, but I said, well, okay, that's kind of true too, right? Baby mama, she's my wife, and uh, yeah, so there's your cultural reference for the day. Um, so we're in Enduring Faith, <laughs> if we can come back to that. Uh, we're in Enduring Faith, and uh, we're looking through the books of First and Second Timothy, uh, a letter that Paul writes to Timothy in the church in Ephesus. So if you don't have your Bibles there, uh, if you need one, you can grab one from underneath the seat in front of you and turn to First Timothy. Uh, and so there's a lot of great things in First and Second Timothy. As we think about this life of enduring faith, and as we think like when we became a believer to the point where we are going to be standing before God, it's a long journey, right, uh, for most of us. And we want to know what are the keys to, to be successful in this area of enduring faith. Uh, and so there's a few things that I wanted to show you today. We've all been on long journeys before, but today I specifically wanted to look at the battle plan uh, and then really these pieces to it. So the phrase I want you to remember is the right weapons, the right weapons. So on Mother's Day, we're talking about weapons. That's you know, great, right? So, well, I always loved show and tell growing up. And so I wanted to show you something. Um, purposely hid this from the children. Um, <clears throat> I'll talk to you from the baptistry here. Uh, so you guys seen weapons before, right? So this is um, one. It's not one I would suggest using. Uh, it's more of a novelty. And it's one that, as I th- was thinking about the message, about the series, and uh, about this title for today, um, the battle plan, there's been a number of different weapons that have been used throughout history, right? Uh, you've seen the sword and the shield and the bow and arrow, which, you know, if we think about history, uh, probably the bow and arrow is one of the ones that has been used for the longest and has been used for conquest to attack an enemy from far, far away. And this one in particular, I was on a mission trip uh, in New Mexico. We were working with Native American uh, reservations. We were doing basketball camps. And so, of course, there's that one day, you know, on the mission trip where you get to go and you're like, you get souvenirs. So where does the teenage guy go to? He goes to the weapons right? And so uh, I've had this ever since. Um, it's been kind of a cool thing for me. I, uh, I thought about first um, bringing an apple and having somebody you know, stand up here and, uh, you know, just, no, I'm not going to do that. You know? yeah. yeah, no, I know. Charlene's like, hey, there'd be a lot of volunteers for that. There really wouldn't. And so I'll leave that up here just to remind us. So as we have um, 
really a lot of weapons that God provides us uh, throughout life, maybe not physical ones like this, ones that have been used for uh, conquest um, throughout all of time. Uh, God, throughout his word, he makes references to these things. Um, we'll see that Paul, when he talks to the Ephesian church, uh, he references the armor of God. So he gives us weapons and he gives us a defense for our faith. And then we look to Psalm 127. Uh, I talked about this last year, uh, just when we were going through a series through Psalms. And I love this psalm because it points us to this idea that God is using a lot more um, than just the physical weapons in this world, right, to make his work. In fact, he uses the spiritual ones to wage his war. He doesn't use the physical ones. And so in Psalm 127, 3, it says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the, fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks of his enemies in the gates. And so again, and praise God for, uh, for moms as we think about the weapons that God gives us, even our own children, as God talks about uh, the weapons that he gives to us, he goes, you have been given children, fruit of the womb, a reward. And what does that mean for us? Well, God wants us to take this life seriously, not only in preparing for ourselves to honor him and live a life that really matters, because when we stand before God, it's not like we're going to be able to go back and go like, okay, do over, right? We can't do that. And so this life matters a whole lot, doesn't it? And God says, even more than that, your kids really matter. And it matters how you live right now because I'm going to give you some weapons. I'm going to give you some keys, some tools to be able to help you prepare them. Because there's one day, what are we going to do? We're going to pull back the bow and we're going to release our kids. And we're all like shaking about that, right? I know I am about my little girls. I'm like, oh God, I don't even know how am I going to do that. God's preparing me even now. I know he's preparing you. Um, so as we think about this, I want to touch on the armor of God too, and then we'll jump into First Timothy. Um, so Paul, interestingly enough, when he talks about the armor of God, he's talking to the church in Ephesus. And when Paul writes to Timothy, who he's placed as the pastor at the church of Ephesus, all these people are hearing the same thing. So there's time, they're tying these things together. They're going, okay, I remember Paul said this about the armor of God, and then he said this about the keys that he gives to us. Some more components to the weapons that we have um, to endure in this life because life's hard, right? Everybody's like, oh, life's easy, isn't it? On Mother's Day, yay, mothers, we're celebrating. But life's hard at times, isn't it? And so God, he wants to give us these weapons that are far more powerful than any weapon we've ever seen, right? Far more powerful than any bow and arrow. Um, and God ties us together for us. And so as we think about the armor of God, what components does he give us? Well, we went through a whole series on this, spiritual warfare, the armor of God. I always like to start from the top. It just makes it easy, right? The helmet of salvation, why does he give that to us? For our minds. And you turn on the TV and it's just like, you know, terrible thing after terrible thing. And we start to get discouraged. And then we look up at the newspaper and it's like, are there a lot of encouraging things right now around us? No, there's a lot of discouraging things. So he says, Put on the helmet of salvation, put on the breastplate of righteousness to protect our hearts. They get pulled away all the time from God. What about the belt of truth? Truth is a big deal right now, isn't it? And it matters. So as believers, how are we supposed to live? Well, in a truthful way. And what about the gospel, the shoes of the gospel of peace Paul talks about? Now, you think that in our culture, like, things are tumultuous and, like, people are getting upset about it and, like, they're taking sides on things. Well, in Paul's time, in Timothy's time, as they're leading in a church, Timothy is... In Ephesus, um, there's a lot of tumultuous things going on. There's a lot of people coming through. It's a great you know, trade and commerce city. Um, a lot of different ideas out there, and people are at each other's throats to, to make another person believe what they say or to get on their team. And the same thing was going on then. So he goes, how are we supposed to live? As people who are walking peacefully in a world that's very tumultuous, right? So we've got the sandals, the gospel of peace. We've got the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. That's what we're all holding right now. 
So our, our swords, I always remember growing up and doing Bible drill and, and, and what our teachers always tell us, like when you come to do Bible drill, what can you not forget? Sword, right? So do we keep it close to us? It's the question. And, I mean, and, and here is the answers to everything for life and for everything else. And then what do we need? The shield of faith, which was the scripture tell us. Paul, he's writing to the church. He goes, you need that shield of faith because it's going to extinguish every flaming arrow of the evil one. Not like silly little arrows that we have, right? You can inflict a little bit of damage. He's going, the enemy's after you. Satan's after you. So what are you going to do? You're going to pick up that shield. I know, I, I mean, I try to every single morning. I go, God, I need your help, right? Because I can't do it on my own. And so that's the armor of God. Where does that take us? That takes us to our first point. Um, so if you like to fill in the blanks, here's the first one. Strength in the fight. So we've got the armor of God. Now we've got strength in the fight. And so how does... Paul lay this out here for, for, for Timothy as he's a young pastor in the church, and probably a lot of people are going like, I'm not sure he's going to do a very good job. Paul goes, hey, be encouraged. You not only have the armor of God, but let me tell you where our strength comes. Because it doesn't come from us just like, you know, like David. I think about David like before he went to fight Goliath, and, and what does the king do? Hey, here's my armor. <laughs> what happens? It doesn't fit him, right? He's like, I'm going to go into battle with the things that God has given me. I don't need that armor. I need God, right? So where does our strength come from? Well, in verse 12, it says, I thank him who has given me strength. First Timothy 1, 12. He's given me this strength. And he says, of Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful and appointed me to his service. So what is... God done with Paul. He's taken a guy that as we'll find, Paul, he's going to talk about some other things. He's going, I'm like the last person that God should have put in this place. And what did he do? God put him there. And how, what's, he's going to display his strength through Paul. So it's not always about us just like picking, you know, picking ourselves up by our bootstraps and going like, man, it's been a tough week. But like, you know, I mean, I'm going to do it. Like, I'm going to do it on my own. I, I got my sword. Sometimes we get discouraged, right? And we need to go, God, we need help. And it, and it comes from the Lord, and it comes from each other, us helping each other too. So he says, I thank him who has given me strength, and it's this real strength, right? It's not like a phony strength. In the Greek, the word here for strength is endunimo, meaning to be strengthened. So every time that this is used, it's, it's Paul talking um, throughout the New Testament, it's used seven times. Um, and so as he references this in different ways, we actually, if you go back to Ephesians 6, where we read the armor of God, um, Paul says this, he says, finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. And what does he say? Take up the whole armor of God. Because what, what are we fighting against? Are we fighting against people with bow and arrows? Are we fighting against pe- people with picketing signs? Are we fighting against you know, people who get in our face because of what we believe in? No, we're, we're fighting this battle that's in the spiritual realm, right? And so what do we need to do that? Well, he says, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. It's the same word there. Um, and then in 2 Timothy 2, 1, so this is the next book that we'll be in in a couple of months, it says that you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Does he say, does Paul say, hey, Timothy, I know it's going to be hard, like you're a young guy in a church that may not respect you a whole lot. Uh, and so, you know, just, you know, every day you got to get up and say, hey, you are great. Look in the mirror, right? You've probably seen some of those motivational things, like look in the mirror and say, you are the most awesome pastor there ever was, right? <laughs> I don't do that. I don't do that, okay? <laughs> so... But I know some people do it, right? So as Paul's telling Timothy, he goes, you know, you just, you need to, man, listen to those self-help tapes and like, you know, get it on the eight track and like, you know, put it in the ears. And like, once you get done with that 10 minute thing, like you are good for the day. No, he goes, what do you need to do? But the Lord, here in 2 Timothy 4, 17, it says here, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. This is Paul talking about his experience now. So that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. 
So I was rescued from the, mouth, from the lion's mouth. What, what did God do for Paul? Yeah. Paul was a Pharisee too. He was a guy that he had a, lot of, he had a lot of clout. He had a lot of ability. But what does he say here? But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. Does he say, I did it on my own? I did it my way. No, he says the Lord strengthened me, okay? And then here in verse 13, we go back to 1 Timothy 1, verse 13. It says, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and an insolent opponent, uh, but I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. So what was Paul before he knew God? You know, everything was good. He was standing by as one of the first deacons of the church gets stoned. So if you go back to the book of Acts, um, you see this. By the way, deacons is not an easy job, okay? So if you think like, you know, I love our deacons. They do such a great job. And um, it can be a difficult job at times too, especially for Stephen because he was getting stoned. And who was standing there? A guy named Saul. He was named Saul before God changed his name to Paul. And he was standing there going, this is good, right? So how does God take somebody like that and transform his life? Well, the answer is that the only person who could is God. And so he, he changed him and he said, here's who I was. Formerly, I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. So if you ever think like, you know, God could never save that person, right? Or God could never do anything with me. Like, let's stop to think and go like, who did God use? <laughs> who has God used throughout history? Certainly imperfect people. Certainly people that have made a lot of mistakes. And he goes, that's who I want to lead, right? So it's not about being perfect. It's not about being all put together, right? It's about trusting God, saying, God, what do, you, what do you want me to do? Pretty convincing message for Paul, right? As he's walking along the road, <laughs> and God blinds him. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And so all this is going into what he's telling Timothy. He goes, Timothy, it's not about being all that, right? A bag of chips. Anybody say that anymore? I don't know. I remember hearing it. It's not about being all that, right? It's about trusting in the Lord and going, I need his strength. And then verse 14 And it says, And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, right? Now, this is the best kind of overflowing, right? It's not like when you walk into your house and and forgive me, Williams, just because I know there was a water leak lately, and so I know that got fixed, okay? Um, But I just remember like walking into my house as a little kid um, growing up. By the way, I didn't say it, Mom, happy Mother's Day. Um, So we're all walking into the house because they're watching online. Uh, We're walking into the house, and there's standing water. Now, I remember this vividly because anytime, you know, like you walk into your house as a little kid and something's not right, you immediately go, it wasn't me, (laughs) which I did not say like I thought it, but then I was like, this is not the time. Like just, (laughs) we walk in, splash, splash. So the whole first floor is filled with water, right? So in Texas, you have concrete slabs. They don't have basements. I don't know why, because we have tornadoes there. Um, but I remember going up there, and it's like standing water. It's like a swimming pool. It's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to go into the basement. And so eventually, the, you know, the source of it was found. It was a toilet that was overflowing, right? And, and we had been gone for a few days. So you can only imagine uh, what the case was. So, of course, everything was ruined on the floor level. Got to rip everything up. That's the bad kind of overflowing, right? That's the kind of overflowing you don't want to show up to. But here, when Paul is talking about grace, he goes, "In the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So what did, what did God do for Paul? He goes, hey, no, you're not worthy. In fact, I mean, if, if somebody was putting together like their varsity team, we probably wouldn't have picked Paul, right? He's trying to kill us. <laughs> so, so then God goes, yeah, I'm going to use that guy. So God can use us, and how did he, what did he do with his life? He strengthened him. He gave him this grace, this grace that was overflowing. Aren't you glad for that? Because there's bad days, right? There's like really bad days. And then we go, man, I'm glad. 
for God's grace, right? Verse 15 says, this saying, these saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. And we should always be saying that about ourselves, right? I know we like to go, yeah, he came to save that person because they are bad, right? Yeah, they are naughty. They do wrong things. It's easy to see that kind of stuff in other people's life. And Jesus talked about that when he's going, hey, you might want to check out like that, that log, you know, that two by four in your own eye. Uh, before you check out the speck in your neighbors. And so Paul knows, right? He knows the truth. He's trying to encourage Timothy. He's trying to encourage the church, and he is, because he goes, hey, in in this fight, what's the most acceptable weapon? Well, the strength that God gives us is it's trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance because it comes from God. Because what did he do? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. If we could just start there, like in places, like when we start having conversations and we interact with people where we see somebody doing something, like, you know, in the grocery store, like, you're, you know, somebody's kid's freaking out, and then you're like, man, <laughs> I said they could get that more under control. They must, what are they doing wrong, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> we've all been there, and so we need some grace some days, right? Every, every day. I love this quote by a church father, Augustine. He said, <clears throat> this is why... Those who are liberated from it by grace, he's talking about sinfulness and the life of uh, being separated from God. He says, this is why those who are liberated from it by grace are not called vessels of their own merits. And he says, they're called vessels of mercy. So what are we supposed to be? Vessels of mercy. So as we approach this life and we understand, hey, we, you know, we've, we've got the plan, right? We've got this battle plan. God has given us instructions. He's given us this spiritual armor. And he wants us to look back and go, hey, in this fight of this enduring faith, what do we need? We need the right weapons, right? And one of them is strength. Because some days we get up and we're like, can't do it. Can't do it, God. We need some help. And so Paul's saying, here's the key. Here's where we pick up our strength. All right, so this is the first fill in the blank. thought we were done, right? We're not done. Okay, uh, so here's the second one, mercy in the fight. So we got strength, right? We don't, it's not the strength that we get from like, you know, lifting all these weights every day, because I don't do that, right? I don't go to the gym. I don't know if you couldn't tell, but I don't. And so we need that strength that comes from the Lord, right? And what else do we need? Well, we need mercy, right? We need mercy in our lives, and, and really everyone's. And so what does it say here? Well, this mercy has been given to display God's patience. Did you know your own life, like this vessel of, of God's mercy in your life, is to show to the rest of the world that God is patient. I know you don't think it, right? You're like, God doesn't have to be patient with me. I mean, I'm pretty good, right? Don't need it, uh, but we do. And so here's what it says in verse 16. But I receive mercy for this reason that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. So Paul's like, God saved me because I was awesome. Right? God called me for his purposes. No, he says, he says, but I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, he's talking about himself being the foremost of all sinners, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Um, man, as I was thinking about this, Alana was you know, listening along because I'm going over the message with her because she's in my office. And um, so we're, you know, we're talking about this and, and patience, and she's like, you guys are very patient. She's like, mom's really patient. I'm like, I'm glad you noticed that on Mother's Day. And mom is very patient and continue to praise God for moms because, uh, man, they're filled with patience. And um, I think it comes straight from God. And so you know, he goes, you know, what, well, you know what God did for me? Paul's saying Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience because our patience runs out, doesn't it? We're like, we get into the day and it's like, okay, guys, 
you had too much Kool-Aid or too many Captain Crunch, whatever, and the kids are going nuts, and you're like, I can't handle this anymore, okay? <laughs> can't handle it, right? Mothers are like, no, always patient, always kind, right? But there's that point which you get to, and then we go, hey, there's this one person who cares so much about us, and he's given us perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. So what is this hope we have? Like, God is always patient, right? We do things over and over and over again. As we've been reading through the quiet time in Exodus 2, I just, you know, you keep going like, again, guys? Like, you're going to keep doing the same. Like, why, why did that happen again? Like, why did you choose to stop believing God or stop trusting him? You know, I think about this week, Moses coming, is down, coming down off the mountain, and him and God are having a conversation, and God's like, I could destroy everybody. <laughs> Moses is like, oh, man, if we did that, I mean, we came all this way, God, like, it's about your glory, and so he's like, okay. And there's this interesting phrase here in Exodus um, where it says that God relented of the destruction. And that actual word there for relent, if you look in the Hebrew, uh, it, it's this um, all-encompassing phrase. So we look in English and we're like, relent? Did God change his mind? No. Uh, when we see that word, it's this phrase of God having compassion over compassion on his people. So we look in the Old Testament, we're like, man, God was like angry, and he was happy, and he was angry, and he was trying to like, okay, do I, you know, destroy the people, not every, every one of those situations. There's always judgment, there's always consequences for our own bad actions, but every one of those situations, God is going, I'm going to have compassion over compassion on my people, because I love them. And it's just like he loves us, and so in the same way, Paul is going like, he's got this perfect patience for us. Aren't you glad, right? He's poured out this mercy on us. And then verse 17 says, To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So who's the only one who's, uh, who has the qualifications to extend this to us, to give us strength, to give us mercy to begin with? Well, it's God, right? And if we, if we can't like start at that point in our lives, like when we get up in the morning and we're like, I don't know if I trust God because I've got this thing going on and I'm not sure he can handle it or you know, I have anxiety about it or whatever, and we go, I just am not sure. We've got to go back to this place. As we're reading throughout this, we go, God, I need the strength. I got the armor of God. I need your strength. Like, please help us today. I need your mercy every single day as I fall short. And Paul says, hey, just a reminder to the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God be honor and glory forever and ever. So who do we worship? I mean, who do we serve? We sang about that today, right? Uh, do we believe it is the question. Uh, and then here's the last fill in the blank. Trust. Trust in the fight. Um, now, if you're, I don't know if you've ever done like one of those like trust fall things before. <laughs> you're like standing on the platform. They normally do it like camp, right? Get the kids to do it. <laughs> then ask the adults to because they have a really hard time trusting people. You're like, no, I do. You get the kid up there and you're like, trust fall, trust fall, right? And everybody's standing back there ready to catch him and hopefully they do. And then, you know, the kid falls and they're like, oh, wow. You know, he's developed this new level of trust for his friends or whoever just caught him, right? Well, in the same way, God's going like, do you trust the plan? As Paul's talking to Timothy, he's going, I know there's going to be people that are going, Timothy's too young. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks too. Actually, our kids are going to come up and they're going to, they're going to share from God's word some things that um, David and I have been working on. So David's been doing a great job working with our teenagers. And so they're going to have the opportunity to lead worship and to talk on Sunday morning. I'm really excited about it. Um, and so keep praying for us because we're waiting for a baby too. So if baby comes, like, you know, you guys will be there, but I won't. Uh, and so as we think about this, we need trust, right? Um, so in verse 18, it says, This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage a good warfare. So Paul knows it's a fight. Now, he didn't send Timothy, you know, there you going like, it's going to be easy. 
Like, no one's ever going to be upset with you. Like, when you say the truth of God's word, like, like nobody's going to come up to you and be like, I don't like you because that directly, you know, conflicts with the way that I'm living. Um, man, tough, isn't it? And Timothy, you know, he was in a place. He was in Ephesus. And what do they have? We talked about last week. They had one of the seven ancient wonders of the world, the Temple of Artemis, which we talked about all the awful things that went on there, right? So we think, like, our culture's so bad. Like, we're fighting right now about, like, you know, should Roe versus Wade get overturned? Yeah, right, because God values life from conception. So that shouldn't be an argument in our minds, but everybody's fighting about it right now. It's always something, isn't it? And so we think, like, our time is the most difficult, most tumultuous. But what was going on then? It's like that structure, that ancient Greek structure that was created, there's this temple there devoted to, hey, hey, you know, ladies, come on in, you know, lead your families, like your guy, the guys don't know anything, um, so it was discouraging guys in the same way the, te- the, uh, the temple um, was operating in a way that was saying, hey guys, you know, come on in, you know, you don't need your families, right, you know, just come on in, you can worship God in a, in a specific way that I won't mention right now, uh, and so there, it was destroying the family unit, and, and Timothy was sent there to go, hey, here's the right way to do it. Like, if we would trust in God, if we would honor him first, stop pursuing after all these other things that don't matter. So Paul's trying to help him, right? He's helping us too right now. So the question is, do we trust him? And I think it all goes back to um, this idea. We, look, we go back to Psalm 127. What are children? Arrows. What are they being given to? God's going, he's not just going like, hey, you know, do whatever you want with them. Like, set them down. Put them in a nice case. You can look at them, right? You know, keep them from all harm, all that kind of stuff. What does God want us to do, moms? And I know this is harder for us because, you know, dads are like, you know, I love, and especially with little girls, I love my girls, right? It's going to be hard to say, say goodbye or to say, you know, yes, you can have this young lady in marriage. I'm praying for that guy too, right? Because he can have our time one day <laughs> when he meets me. So, uh, so I'm, I'm praying for him, right? I am. I really am. I know you guys are like, you know. So what do we do with these arrows, with these kids, right? We pull them back, right? And it's not just so we can look at them. It's so at some point we can release them, right? That's so tough, isn't it? Because we don't know, it's like, where are they going? What's going to happen to them? Like, I don't know. I can't even handle it right now when they go off to school or when they, you know, right? Take a break. Say, God, help me. Because I need that. I need the strength. I need the mercy. And I need to trust you. And, and Paul's going, trust the plan. What does he say in verse 18? This I ch- charge, <clears throat> I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good for warfare. Now, Paul, too, when he's on his first missionary journey, he comes through, um, and it's likely on that first missionary journey, Timothy, um, along with his mom and his grandma, so Andy talked about that. Thank you, Andy. Um, so this like lineage of faith, like they got saved, and then Timothy got saved, and his dad was like, no thanks, I'm a Gentile, um, I don't want this Jesus. And can you imagine how difficult it was for Timothy, like growing up, and, and, and mom and grandma are there, and they're like encouraging him, and they're like, yeah, you know, whatever God wants to do in your life. And then Paul comes along, and he's like, so Timothy, Lois Eunice, I was thinking I would take Timothy, and he would go with me on these missionary journeys, no guarantees, by the way, because you go wherever God wants you to go, and there's no like, you know, you have money and fame, and no one's ever going to be mad at you. In fact, it was the opposite for the early church. And so Paul's going, hey, Timothy's going to come with me. We're going to go on these missionary journeys, and he might find himself somewhere leading the church, leading a group of people, leading the church. That's exactly where he was. Can you imagine how difficult that was for Lois and for Eunice going like, we've invested so much, like we know he's following Jesus. We want him to do whatever you know he want him to do. The question is, did they trust God? It wasn't, do we trust this guy, Paul? I don't know. What is God doing in Timothy's life? And I didn't encourage you today as we think about this, as we think about like Mother's Day, and the wonderful gift of life, the fruit of the womb, it comes through 
our wonderful ladies in our lives. Are we ready to trust God? <clears throat> I think if we look back to Psalm 127 and we think about Timothy's life, it was filled with these circumstances of like, do we trust God? Do the people in his life trust God? Even though maybe he didn't have support from everybody. <clears throat> and Paul was going, it's not because you're great. It wasn't because I was great. It's because what? God strengthened me and I received mercy. And more than that, he trusted God. So the question is, you know, do we trust God today? And so as I was thinking about this, like, trust and, like, you know, why do people trust other people? Why do people trust God? Um, I always love, like, the science of that, too, like what happens in our brains when we trust people. So I was doing a little research, and <clears throat> I found a study about the neuroscience of trust. So what happens inside of our brains, you know, um, when all that's taking place, a uh, study done by psychology today, and they conducted this study, really interesting. It says, for the recent study, participants were under the illusion that they were playing an economic investment game with three different players. So there was a close friend, a stranger, and then a computerized slot machine. So they, they put these all in front of somebody. Now, it was all still a computer presenting these things to them. But they said, hey, there's your buddy. He's on the other end, all right? So that's this person. But in all actuality, it was this computer program that generated a 50% true answer for every single one of them. And they were asked after the experience, even though, even though they were like, hey, here's where you, you gained money, here's where you got a, a great investment. They asked them after the experience, hey, uh, based on these perceptions of trust, the participants reported positive interactions with everybody, nobody, or somebody in particular, even though it was just a computer saying 50% of the time they were right. Well, what they found out was that the person that they told was their best friend on the other end. They trusted that person always. And the other people are like, well, I guess it's a game, but we'll see, 50%. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But, but what happens in those relationships in our lives, even if those who are closest to us, right? Family, friends, even God. You know, what happens in our brains? We generate reasons why to believe and to trust and why not to. And what is Paul saying? He's going like, this is the only person we should trust fully. He's, been, he's given us the strength. He's given us the mercy so why don't we trust him? Like when he's talking to us, like when he's saying, like, you need to go do this or you need to do uh, this thing, you know, and we all have experienced that, right? As God moves on our hearts and we've experienced those times when we're like, yeah, I didn't do what God said. And I was like, man, why didn't I do that? And there's other times where, when, you know, we go, man, I, I trusted God. And I did this and I was like, wow, this amazing thing happened. And we're always like confounded by that, right? When I trusted God, something miraculous happened or something great happened or I got this encouragement and we're like, it's so amazing. I don't know how it happened. But why does it happen? Because when we do trust God, we see this realization of all these things coming true. So we've got strength, we've got mercy. And if we trust God, I mean, he's going he's gonna to bless us. And not in the way that you would think, because we always, you know, you'll see you turn on the TV and you have that guy saying, like, if you would give me $100, then I will turn it into a million. <laughs> and that's just not true, right? That's prosperity gospel. So when we come to this place, we know what are we coming to receive, right? Not an increase of wealth, not an increase of status or of popularity, we're coming to receive God's word and to be encouraged by it. So we've got strength, we've got mercy, and we've got trust. So, and I'll just touch briefly because there's a group of people that will go, I'm not going to trust God, I can't. I'm going to trust in like what I think is the sure thing. And uh, here's what it says about those. In verse 19, it says, holding fast and a good conscience. That's us, so we hold fast to God. By rejecting this, some have made a shipwreck of their faith. And maybe you've been through that before. Maybe you've just been like in a time of difficulty or like, 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 God, what am I doing? Like, why are things going so bad? Because there's those times we go, yeah, God, I know you provide the strength. I know you provide the mercy. You have done that, but I just don't know if I trust you right now. And what happens? 
things start to get confusing, right? We put our own ideas, we start leaning on ourselves, and we wonder like why, you know, at the end of the day, maybe something difficult's happened, maybe something bad has happened, and we go, we didn't trust God. And that's where it all goes back to. That's where we lose our peace. That's where we lose our confidence because it's been a really strange time, if you've noticed. Like, as we've come out of, we've come out of it, um, all the COVID-related things and the sickness, they stay is going to stay around. What it's done is it's caused, a lot, it's caused a lot of anxiety. It's caused a lot of mistrust. It's caused a lot of depression. So we, we look at people who are friends and our family, even God, and, be, and we're like, are, do you really know, like, what's going on? Can we really trust you? And the answer is always yes, because Paul says here, he goes, no matter what else is going on, we need to hold fast this faith that we have in good conscience. Because here's what's going to happen if we reject God. If we say, God, you don't matter, you don't know what's going on, or the, cult- the times have changed so much, you can't possibly understand what's going on. We don't trust you. What's that going to produce? A shipwreck of our faith. And Paul mentions a few people here. He says, and among whom are Hymenes and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. So where do we... Find our strength in the fight. And we go back to like all this, these people in civilizations who have gone, I'm going to trust in the bow, right? I'm going to trust in the sword. I'm going to trust in whatever it is, you know, great numbers. You see God's people go all throughout, you know, the Old Testament and like they're conquering lands. Uh, and, and almost every single time, what are they doing? Like, let's pray. Let's trust in God. What does God want us to do? And they allow them to conquer. I mean, so why do we think any differently about what we're going through right now as we struggle with anxiety and depression and like just the difficult things that happen every single week? Paul's going, it's not going to be easy, Timothy. It's not going to be easy. So who are you going to trust in? Well, I'm going to trust in the person who's given me the strength for life, who's given me mercy, who's gone, yeah, that guy, not so great. But what happens when we trust in him? Oh man, he's going to He's going to bless us. So what should be our perspective when we leave this place? As we think about enduring faith, the battle plan that God's given us, the armor of God, strength, mercy, and trust, these right weapons that God gives us. So as the enemy, what happens? We get up in the morning, you know, we get our coffee, and we're finally alert and awake. And what happens? We're like, I have so many things to do today. I'm so stressed out. I'm so worried. Like, what are you going to turn to? You're going to turn to your planner, right? I got a plan, right? Everybody has those. Are you going to turn to maybe that person who helps you at work? And Who are you going to turn to? Is it going to be something else? Is it going to be something external, or is it going to be God? You're going to say, God, I trust you no matter what. No matter what goes on, all the craziness of the world. I'll close with this quote from Billy Graham. Um, He was asked a question. This was toward the end of his life. Uh, He said, if, this is a reporter asking Billy Graham, he said, if you knew Jesus was coming back tomorrow, what would you be doing today? So I always like to ask that question. Um, And here's what he said, the same thing I've been doing every day before. Preaching the word, telling people about Jesus, thinking about the souls of the lost. He said, and each believer needs to be ready with their bags packed. Because here's the truth. And you ask that question, if Jesus come back tomorrow, what would you be doing now? We'd probably change a few things, right? We'd probably go, yeah, you know, I, I need to rely on God's strength. I need to rely on, I need to trust in his mercy. I just need to trust him in general, right? So let's not wait. Let's go, God. What do you want us to do on this Mother's Day? We're going to go out, you know, have great meals and celebrate moms. You should do that. But at the end of the day, and you lay your head down on your pillow, who are you trusting in? The guy who's got the real battle plan? The guy who knows what's going to happen in the future? Are we using the right weapons of strength, mercy, and trust in God? And this combats a lot of things, right? It helps us. Um, and so I want to pray for you today. I don't know um, where everybody's at in the room, so maybe you're coming into this place, and, and maybe you, don't, you haven't experienced any of this. Maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, and I want to just give you that opportunity. Um, and it's as easy as this, admitting that you're a sinner. Everybody's made mistakes. Paul said, I'm the chief of all sinners, but yet God used him. And we need to believe 
Jesus, what did he do? Well, he, he went and he died on the cross for our sins. He was raised on that third day. The stone rolled away, and he got up. Nobody else has done that in all of history. He got up, and what do the scriptures tell us if we confess with our mouth that he's the Lord of our lives? What does God's word tell us? We'll be saved. And we'll be standing before God in eternity, and it won't be because we're perfect. And like what Paul says here, he's given us the strength, and he's lavished his mercy on us. He's overflowed his grace. And he can give that to every single one of us in the room, and everybody that you know, anybody that you come in contact with, you can share the same message today. So let me pray for you. Father, we... Uh, we thank you for this day, for Mother's Day, for all the wonderful ladies that are in the room. Uh, we uh, celebrate um, them. Thank you for them, God. We pray that in this, uh, in this fight of enduring faith, um, that we would look to the real battle plan. God, that we wouldn't make our own plans, that we wouldn't go before anybody. We wouldn't, we wouldn't make a move, God, before we um, talk to you. Um, God, I pray that when, when the days get really, really hard, because they do, uh, they do, uh, we pray that you would give us your strength. I pray that we'd be faithful to ask for your help every day. Um, God, that this mercy that you give us, it's this perfect example to the rest of the world that we're not perfect. Um, and how good are you, God, that you gave us that grace and that mercy. Um, we're so thankful for that. Um, God, help us. Just if, if we could do anything else, God, I pray that today, as we uh, maybe get ready for bed or we get up in the morning tomorrow, I pray that we would ask you to help us with this because trust is hard. Um, it's earned over time, and God, you've been so faithful to us. You, you give us so many examples, um, all the people who went throughout history in the Old Testament, and all the, uh, this, the constantly caring for and this compassion over compassion that you give us. Um, God, I just pray that we would not rely on the weapons and the tools of the world um, to bolster us up to help us. God, I pray that we would just trust in you fully. Help us to do that each day. Um, we, we need your help to do it, and we ask you for that in your name. Amen. Amen. Uh, let